When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man, appreciate Reese Davis of uh, ESPN for not stirring the pot, but making a conversation that leads to the conversations like this. Does Bama get in over Texas so they both went out? You almost wish OU had stayed a one-loss team for a chance of a higher quality Big 12 champion. I told I, hey, I, that was my, that was my take from the get-go. I was like, man, I want Oklahoma undefeated, unblemished when we whip them in the Big 12 title game because then that's your automatic boost to yeah. the college football player. There's no question that they came in there undefeated that it wouldn't matter what happened outside the Big 12. Pac-12 wouldn't matter. ACC, Big Ten, SEC, none of that would matter if Oklahoma came in there undefeated because they would have already been ranked in the top three probably, and when you knock them off, you'd automatically replace them in the college football playoff. Everybody's like, oh, man, I'd want Oklahoma to lose. Okay, I want Oklahoma to win. I want us to be the team that beats Oklahoma and then ruin their playoff hopes and therefore guaranteeing our playoff spot. Now, you can beat Oklahoma State. And it's going. It's it's likely going to lead to you being in the college football playoff conversation, but it's no guarantee. No, it's Oklahoma not that. It's not that elevated man, boost. If Oklahoma was undefeated, guaranteed. True, and it was your only loss, and it came in the last seconds oh, of the game, and you avenged it, and those things. That's true. Uh, and here's a it says, guys, total BS. The way too many possibilities exist. There are four possible undefeated conference champions still out exactly. there. Exactly. I agree with the texture. It's too much. No. Yeah, that's a little over the top from Reese Davis. Top, it's, a, it's a fun <laughs> conversation, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, there very well could be, you know, if Washington were to win out, I mean, you'd have four conference They're champions in. undefeated. Now, that doesn't happen that often. It's a big if. It's the, uh, what do you call it, Nicki Minaj, the big butt, Kim man. Kardashian the big butt. size butt. But, you know, it could happen. I mean, Georgia could win out. Uh, Ohio State or Michigan went out and undefeated. Uh, Florida State and then Washington. And you're sitting with four undefeated teams. And Texas isn't going. So <laughs> uh, I would agree with Reese Davis to your point that it was a big win to survive that game, to keep the, the opportunity alive. Mm-hmm. But there are no there are by no means guarantees. Yeah, especially with your backup quarterback right, right. now. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Is uh, Quinn yours hinting that maybe he wants to get back out there sooner than uh, maybe Longhorn fans believe? We'll talk about that. But uh, right now, let's one more time catch you up on the headlines. You get up and out, get into traffic, or get going with your day. Make sure you're fully aware of uh, the news around you. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment always bring it to you here to start the eight o'clock hour. And yeah, Texas football sitting at eight and one. Uh, number seven in the college football playoff rankings last week. The new ones will be out tonight. They sit atop the Big 12 at 5-1 and one with a regular season, uh, three regular season games remaining. At his weekly Monday news conference yesterday, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian said he was very pleased after watching the tape of the game that with his team's physicality and toughness this past Saturday in the win over K-State, but very frustrated with the self-inflicted wounds that allowed the Wildcats to come back from 20 points down late in the third quarter to um, take, the game, take the game to overtime. Ten penalties for the Longhorns in that game, three turnovers, a failed fourth down attempt, a blocked punt, all made the game much closer than it needed to be. But Stark also urged for folks to keep the latest win in perspective. 
we just went and beat a top 25 team that's the number one defense in our conference and had almost 500 yards of offense and scored 33 points with our backup quarterback, with our backup right tackle in the game, when our starting left tackle went out and we had to move our starting left guard to left tackle. So just look at that from a, from that perspective and think about some of the stuff we've had to go through defensively you know we, we didn't have two safeties last game with Catalan and Crawford out you know Ethan Burke's coming back off an injury you know Jade was down there for a minute Ryan Watts was out for a minute but we're, we have enough depth on our team to put guys in position and they can play you know good football for us to, to overcome they did overcome. Sark also said he was very encouraged by yesterday morning's workout, the practice, because everybody on their two deep was out there, uh, including starting safeties Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford, who he just referenced. Also, right tackle Christian Jones was back practicing yesterday. Uh, the Sark said it's the first time in more than a month that everybody was out there to begin prep for a game. They were at TCU on Saturday. College Hoops trio of transfers helped relieve 18th-ranked Texas past Incarnate Word, 88-56 last night in the Longhorn season opener at Moody Center. The newcomer, Caden Shedrick, also with Theo Horton and Max Acemus. We're all tremendous last night in Rodney Terry's win, our team's win. Uh, they had a 33-5 run in the first half to blew the game open. Uh, open. How about Caden Shedrick, the 6'11 Virginia transfer? He had just 11 minutes, 12 points, grabbed five boards, blocked three shots. Well, Max Acemus had uh, 12. The, the UCF transfer, Ethel Horton, led the Longhorns with 17. NFL Monday Night Football route to wrap up Week 9. Former TCU star Darius Davis returned to punt 87 yards for a touchdown. Austin Eckler ran for a couple touchdowns. Uh, as the Chargers rolled the Jets 27-6. to Busy night in the NBA, 12-game card, including all three Texas squads. Indiana routed the Spurs. Mavericks won their six in their first seven games to start the year. They won in Orlando. Houston beat Sacramento. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. And uh, the uh, social media post by Quinn Ewers got Longhorn fans really excited. This happened last night. Uh, he posted a picture of himself looking clean, all right, just uh, dressed in uniform at the line of scrimmage, looking like he's about to uh, take the snap. Uh, but with the, the, the title uh, here, the caption was, So turn me loose, set me free. Uh, shout out to Merle Haggard. So it was a country music lyric, but then he decided to, uh, to uh, tease the Longhorn faithful, set me loose. I mean, turn me loose, set me free. I think the uh, the implication is that he's ready to go. He's ready to play. He's ready to play. Uh, and Sark already said he's been practicing. Shout out to my man Jerry Hamilton over at Inside Texas who said his sources had actually uh, said that Quinn was casually – uh, casually throwing the football around a little bit last week, just on his own, doing some stuff. So he wasn't totally restricted from it last week. And looks like now maybe they decide to um, speed up his timeline with, uh, I don't know, with the way that Malik played. Not that Malik was bad. You still won that game. Uh, but maybe you didn't see the improvement, a drastic improvement from start one to start two. And just in case you don't get a better baseline of performance, maybe you better make sure Quinn's ready to go. So I don't know if Quinn will be ready to start. He's day-to-day, um, but he should be ready to go. In case, he should be your emergency QB in that situation, potentially. Yeah, from week to week to day-to-day, to and that's good, right? He could be yeah. better by Friday than he is right now, and that would be the hope. But if he's already casually throwing, that means they'll then monitor, monitor him after each, after each day's practice to see – 
where his pain is, you know, is it subsiding, is it getting better? And really it's about the zip on the ball, right? And it's about the ability to push the ball down the field with maximum power. I mean, it's really yeah. what you're talking about. And, you know, they, they, there's a chance an injury like that's not 100% the rest of the year, Rod. Yes, But is it close enough just to go play and put your best quarterback on the field and put the guy that uh, is going to make the fewest mistakes? Because that's the one thing we know. Um, Malik Murphy – has some talent, but it's uh, big-time talent, but at the same time he's making mistakes and does look like Quinn Ewers did at times last year. But even when he struggled last year, Quinn Ewers did a pretty good job of taking care of the football. He wasn't as careless with the ball as uh, yeah. Malik is. Malik's a little careless with the football. I mean, he's, he's got four interceptions, but I mean, four turnovers, but he has like multiple dropped interceptions. I mean, it could ha- be as many as six interceptions. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's uh, th- this is why if you're a Longhorn fan, and, and look, Sark shouldn't tell anybody that Quinn Ewers is going to play Saturday. He should – Yes. Play coy all the way to kickoff. Yeah, you want to make sure but if you you're, use that misinformation. If you're Sonny Dykes and you're watching this tape, it doesn't take long to figure out, man, just let's play the three-high defense. Let's keep everything in front of us. Let's see if we can stop the run enough to force him to make some throws and uh, see if we can take a couple and get our crowd behind it, uh, get, get our crowd into it. This is going to be that uh, TCU sitting at four and five, coming off a, a perfect season a year ago into the Big 12 mm-hmm. title game uh, and, and a trip play for the national championship. This is, you know – this is their Super Bowl now. This is their one way to say, you know what? Hadn't been a great year. We lost a lot of good players, um, but we beat Texas. And Sonny Dice continues to own the Longhorns. And you know that's going to be the rallying cry in Fort Worth this week, uh, just like it was at BYU Baylor, just like it was at Houston. And, you know, the Baylor game was a blowout. The Houston game was way too close for comfort. So, you know, what are we going to get here? Having your best quarterback on the field would help significantly in, in alleviating any concerns? Yeah, and you know, it, you know, TCU, they are they're struggling. All right, they um, this is not the, uh, the the season that they thought they were going to have. But this is what trap games are all about. To me, the definition of a trap game is a, t- is a team trying to save their season by ruining your season <laughs> because their goals and their hopes and dreams have all been dashed. That's TCU right now, and you just brought it up. He's Sunny Dykes for whatever reason. He's got a really good record coaching against Texas, whether you're talking about his Bear Raid days at Cal or here recently at TCU. And don't forget about the OC, who, by the way, is a former lifetime Longhorn. All right, Kendall Browse is in the DBU room with me. All right, he was in the DB meeting room with myself. It's almost like some origin story from a, a, a some type of villain, some type of comic book villain. Right? He hates Texas, but he was once a Longhorn himself. <laughs> All right, and he knows, you know, uh, how to scheme against Texas with that very shoot offense. Let's not forget, he is literally family with Jeff Levy, who is the OC of Oklahoma, who also runs. The veer and shoot. Yeah. The old, the, the browse offense, essentially. And if you don't think they're sharing notes and sharing ideas and concepts, you're crazy. Well, they're family. Yeah. <laughs> so they're definitely sharing that game plan. And that's the game plan that beat you, all right, with that offensive scheme versus Oklahoma. And we know how Texas performs defensively versus pass first teams, i.e. U of H. All right, go look at what happened there. And go look at even when K-State had to abandon the run, had to take it out in the backyard, shoot it, and bury it. Look what they did. Look how they came back and marched down the field and made plays against the Texas secondary. If you're a pass-first team, Oklahoma, especially in that veer and shoot offense, you can make some plays against Texas. Can you run the ball against Texas? Hell no. Nobody can. But you've got to have a non-traditional running game, which Oklahoma had. Um, but you don't even need a running game like U of H decided. We don't even need the running game. We're just going to throw the football against them. You can have success. So just throwing it out there. There's a lot of different concepts and a lot of different challenges that TCU can present to Texas. Yes, Texas is a double-digit favorite, but they were a 20-something point favorite against U of H, and they came down to a game, a goal-line game-winning stand. 
Yeah, every game is tenuous for Texas right now. It's a backup quarterback in there. Especially as long as Quinn Ewers is not on the field at this point. Exactly. I would also say Sonny Dykes, his dream job was Texas. Uh, his, Mm -hmm. His father, he grew up. And as a Texas fan, his dad was, of course, an assistant coach at Texas when he was growing up and then ended up head coach at Texas Tech. Uh, he, you know, had some conversations with Chris Del Conte about this job when oh, it yeah. came available. So, you know, there's that, too. Sonny Dykes. It's uh, personal. It's personal. It's personal. Yeah, for it's him. personal. Yeah. And it's huge for your program to beat Texas, right? I mean, it's huge. And in, in a year in which you surprised everybody a year ago and found your way in the college football playoff national championship game, only to get your doors blown off by TCU. And, of course, TCU started this year with the embarrassing loss to Colorado, uh, where didn't any tape. The, embarrassing yeah. in that they missed like 20 tackles. They just didn't yeah. look prepared to play. And Deion Sanders got this immediate jolt of uh, the media attention. And mm-hmm. look what he's done. He just beat the team that was playing for the championship a year ago. Uh, so that really got their year off to a tough start. And then they kind of rebounded. But now it's about quarterback. And I also know this. I was, did our, we, we recorded our Eyes on Texas multicast. I was like Mike Craven and myself. Mike Craven is a senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He's reporting out of Fort Worth is that Chandler Morris is actually getting healthy. That maybe Chandler Morris, Josh Hoover, has been going as the starting quarterback mm. uh, since Chandler Morris has been injured. But kind of like Quinn Ewers, there's a thought that maybe he's progressing towards potentially being able to play. So I think both sides are going to have some quarterback gamesmanship who, who going you, on. Who do you think is a better, uh, I said worst matchup, I guess, for Texas, uh, those quarterbacks, Hoover or Chandler Morris? Because I think, honestly, I think Hoover might be a tougher matchup. Chandler Morris can run a little bit. So I guess you want to run and get Chris Chandler Morris is the Oklahoma transfer who was yeah. supposed to be the starter last year and then got hurt, and Max Duggan, Max Duggan took the job and, <laughs> and never gave looked, it up. Never, never looked back. And this kid has looked pretty good. Josh Hoover has. He can, he can chunk it, man. He, can he has. Uh, but, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, he's a young he guy. Really, and, of course, Chandler Morris is the son of Chad Morris, remember, former I Lake mean, Travis coach. I mean, it just seems like Sonny Dykes is picking the wrong sort of quarterback both <laughs> the times of that. He picked Chandler, he, oh, no, he picked Chandler Morris last year. Well, I'm not year, saying man. he's going to play. I'm saying he's trending towards being av- possibly being, being available. Yeah. Doesn't mean they might I mean because at this point you're four and five, and you, know, you now know Josh Hoover's the, the, future the future at the position. Might as well go with the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's, uh, he's, a big, he's a young kid out of Rockwall. Uh, they're east of Dallas, and they think he's he is the the guy the, the future of that position. Yeah, he can throw it. He looks good. He does. I've, I've seen him. He looks good. Uh, so we'll we'll preview the game all week. We'll continue to talk about Texas and coming off K State. Uh, Reese Davis saying they're a lock for the college football playoff. I think that's a bit aggressive, Mister Davis. A but, lock. Uh, Longhorn fans excited to uh, to I'm lose. Like, I don't know about the lock. I, I I'm confident. I feel confident about it. Well, and I would. Here's what I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I don't think I think he's over the they top. They probably have the most his, favorable path right now, conference wise, through their conference. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's yes. part of what he's. You know, because we maybe didn't play the entire cut, but at the same time, he. You know, you look at Oregon and Washington. They still have some tough games to come. Uh, down the stretch in a Pac-12 championship game scenario. Of course, Georgia still has to play Alabama. Um, you know, and if. You know, there's just say Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State, whereas Texas has TCU, Texas Tech, and uh, Iowa State remaining, yeah. plus a Big 12 championship game, which uh, likely will be against or very possibly can be against Oklahoma State. All right, so the college football is there. We'll look for those college football playoff rankings out tonight. I'll also get into the NFL nine full weeks in the books last night. Jets were awful. Uh, I know it's awful. It, they planned for Aaron Rodgers to be there, so I guess he's on the sidelines wearing his stocking cap last night. He's throwing too. He's he, talking he about coming the, back. He puts on a little throwing, a little exhibition before all their games, where people are sort of shocked and surprised at how far along he is. So maybe he's hinting that he's coming back. 
But I don't. I mean, they got to be in the. They got to be in the playoff hunt though for him to come back. This right? would be way outside yeah, anything yeah. we've ever seen before. But he's rehabbing every day. He's out in California now. He was there last night, but he's doing this you know, new kind of treatment. And it, oh. it, it is pretty amazing to watch him in warm-ups. He's, you know, not limping. He's flinging the ball around. Doesn't mean he can line up and play football. But at this point, for him to even consider coming back, they'd have to get themselves into playoff contention, and they're not. Right? No, I mean, they're, not right now. No. No, they just can't. And the, the defense – And that's is, a team – that's a game at home. you got to yeah. win last night because it's a Chargers team that's under five hundred. But, you know, now you're – as we said yesterday, if the playoffs started today, Rod, in the NFL – Every member of the AFC North would be in the playoffs. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Uh, you have a 7-2 and two Baltimore and then three 5-3 and three football teams. Yeah, you got your – I mean, some of the best defense in the NFL is being played there now. I yeah. Mean, you got the Browns. The Ravens are playing great defense. The Browns are one of the best defenses Joe in the Burrow's NFL. Joe Burrow's back. And don't forget about Lou Anarumo, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. He may not be the best D.C. like in the regular season, but I don't know if there's anybody better once the postseason gets started being able to come up with creative game plans. So, And you got high-powered quarterbacks like Burrow and Lamar Jackson. That, that division right now is just – it's tough. Yeah, and how the hell the Steelers keep winning? I don't know, but they keep winning even yeah. though they're in spite of their offense. <laughs> well, I would say you know right now in the AFC, Rod, at their best, I think Baltimore might be the most complete team, not just in I that division, but you, but maybe in the whole whole conference. I'm not disagreeing with that because uh, remember they they're seven and two. They had the game where they lost to the Steelers, where they dropped all the passes. Like they like dropped they dropped like, like eight, five passes. Yeah, it was a couple like, of them were touchdowns. Yeah, they did. And it's like what? Passes, yeah. And somehow the Steelers won the game on a block punt and a play. And that's one that if you're the Ravens, you're like, man, we let that get away. That was at Pittsburgh. They also lost a game in overtime to, to the Colts back when Anthony Richardson was actually they lost to Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. So there's two weird outlier losses. But man, uh, over the last three weeks, they've they've had Detroit come to town. The Lions came in as a division leader at six and two at the time, and they beat them thirty eight to six. This week, they Whipped had Seattle it. come to town as a division leader in the in the NFC North, Whipped beat them thirty seven to three. Yeah, whipped them. And it seems like they're getting more and more acclimated to that Todd Monken offense. Odell Beckham Jr.'s back, caught a touchdown pass last week. He mm. could become more of a factor. Uh, yeah, the Ravens and the Chiefs are still. You know, it's Patrick Mahomes' division and conference until you beat them. But they're they just, so easier. They're so much easier to defend. Yes, it is. Without any threats at wide receiver, they really are. And I, you know, I, Travis Kelsey is awesome. I mean, you're talking about the best tight end potentially of all time. But I believe it, it, the stat I gave yesterday was that Patrick Mahomes has ten. He has uh, six games this year where he has uh, completed passes to at least ten different receivers. And you would think that that's a cool stat. It's like, that is not a cool stat. Not for Patrick Mahomes. That means he doesn't necessarily trust any of the wide receivers, and he can't find any consistency or chemistry or continuity with any of those well, wide receivers. Well, the good receivers. stat you gave about Dak so Prescott last hour is Dak he's Prescott's, searching. you know, looking for C.D. Lamb because he trusts C.D. Lamb. That's his guy. And he's thrown it to him like 24 times the last two weeks. Yep, that's his guy. Uh, it used to be Tyreek Hill would have all the targets. Well, now, now they don't really have a guy. Uh, outside of Travis Kelsey and teams, and as you predicted in the Dolphins game, they were able to put Jalen Ramsey on him, uh, double him with some other guys sometimes, and you know Travis Kelsey was a non-factor. And yes, I know you're all waiting with bated breath. Taylor Swift was in Germany. She was. She was. Oh wow! So what I was... saw a video of them Ooh. showing up together, uh, walking into the stadium in Frankfurt. And what was his, his stat line? wasn't great, was it? No. So maybe the Taylor Swift bump is even wearing off a little bit. He's not even getting that that Taylor that Swifty bump. That she he was, was there. 
and she walked in yeah. the stadium with him. So uh, the Germans didn't make much of a big deal about it. Apparently. Yeah, well, it was the it NFL was a, Network. It was a competitive game. It was exciting. It was a great it was game. Big plays, but you didn't get that prolific Chiefs offense, and that's what really has set them apart. Well, now the defense is playing really well. If you go look at how about this little stat I'll give you. So we're talking NFL. You go look at yards per play allowed. How about this little stat? Hey, just show you how different the Chiefs are. Yards per play allowed. Ravens number one, four point one. That's the best defense in the league, arguably. Browns, uh, they're at four point three, <laughs> arguably top uh, defense in the league too. And then the Chiefs. Yeah, they've rebuilt their 4. style 8. of play. There you go. How about that? So yeah, the stat I gave you about you know him completing passes to ten different receivers in six games so far this year, which probably is a Super Bowl record in the Super Bowl era already, and you're even halfway through the season. Maybe it doesn't matter as much because they just win differently. They just yeah. need him well, to, I think that's you know? been ph- philosophical, and uh, I don't. I wish if you're a Chiefs fan, you should wish they would have gotten like the Cowboys should have gotten a running back. They should have gone and gotten a receiver uh, of some regard. Uh, but it's still Patrick Mahomes, so you don't doubt him. But I do think the numbers you just gave would indicate that Baltimore might have the highest ceiling in the conference. That Baltimore, as yes. they continue to get better in this offense, get more consistent in, in Lamar Jackson, and if he can stay healthy, they're going to be tough because the defense is outstanding and they can just put the clamps on you. Um, you know, The team that we'll get to see that we haven't talked about is Jacksonville. Jacksonville comes off their bye this week, Rod, looking forward now, and they play the 49ers who are also off their bye. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those teams, you know, could Jacksonville, after some you know, the early struggles where they lost to Houston and lost to the Chiefs, Jacksonville's gotten it together, and they also could be a factor because guess what? The Jaguars have the easiest road to in, in, in that division because, you know, you're home field and home playoff games, things of that nature. Jacksonville's got Houston, Indianapolis, and Tennessee to deal with, whereas a Baltimore has got, you know, the Steelers and the Browns and the Bengals. Uh, Miami and Buffalo are going to head, go head-to-head. Uh, and then the Chiefs. Chiefs also have a pretty easy road, too, down I, there in I Arrowhead. Think, um, yeah, first of all, coming off a of bye with the issues that the 49ers have had, in addition to them getting healthy off the bye, I, I, I'll take the 49ers in that matchup. But, you know, I, I like the uh, the I like the I like Trevor Lawrence-led uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, too. But going back to the Ravens, and I agree with you, I think they may have the highest upside of all these teams we're talking about in the AFC right now just because the defense hasn't even been healthy. Keep that in mind. And yet the defense is playing so well. The, here's the number of drives against the Ravens that have ended in touchdowns. Nine. That's it. They've played in nine games and given up nine touchdown drives so far this season. They have, how about this? They have surrendered uh, touchdowns only 8.6% of their drives. All right? 8.6% of their drives. By the way, sorry, it's 8.7%. That would be the lowest number since the 2000 Ravens. Yes. This Ravens team has the best uh, touchdown percentage allowed defense since the 2000 Ravens. That's pretty good. That's really good. And Mike McDonald, who's our defensive coordinator, youngest coordinator in franchise history for the Ravens, but also the second youngest D.C. in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's a high, a high riser. Came right? from Michigan. Came from Michigan. Remember, he and, yeah. he and his brother hey, swapped DCs. He knows about that science. He knows Connor Stallions. Oh, he does. He does. They know each other. They, they had their Thanksgiving other. dinner together. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he might delete that guy's number from his phone. Like, oh, no. Uh, Sorry, who's Connor. This guy with Not us taking here, Jim. that call. <laughs> Jim, who's this guy you brought with us for Thanksgiving? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's Connor. Connor. That's Connor. That's Connor. He's good people. He's good people. Connor, what's your last name? Stallions. Is that real? <laughs> that can't be real. I, I'm telling you, the, the, the Saturday Night Live skit is coming on that it's whole thing. It's coming. Because I'm, I'm making them up in my own head. We'll come back. When we do, Rod takes us behind the BOC. Hear more from Sark with his uh, weekly Monday news conference. Also a little uh, off the record before the end of the hour. It's a Tuesday edition of Hook Em Up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Behind the burnt orange curtain here shortly for the top of the hour. Go off the record. Some stories that uh, you probably have not heard, but you need to because you'll be talking about them. Uh, also, uh, talking Texas football for sure. We'll be watching the college football playoff rankings out tonight. Probably no change outside of uh, certainly in the top seven or eight where the Longhorns are hanging out. Yeah. Most things will probably stay chalk. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. will drop. Yeah. They were the one big upset. But uh, we can already look forward, Rod, and can tell you that uh, next Tuesday – they're very well – I mean, there they're absolutely will be change in that those rankings because the, the scores and the matchups are going to lead uh, to those uh, those changes because there are huge, huge matchups, including Penn State and Michigan. That's at Penn State. Uh, Michigan's now been informed by the Big Ten Conference that penalties could be or likely are coming down for them sooner rather than later. See if that affects this team at all, but they're playing at Beaver Stadium on Saturday at 11 a.m. I don't know if I. I'm sure Michigan's going to be distracted. They got a lot going on. James Franklin can't win a big game, y'all. I told, been telling y'all this for months. He, he can't win big. I don't know where it is about James Franklin in the big games. Every time he plays in a big game, his team comes up short. Well, in ESPN, look, this could impact the game. ESPN's uh, uh, the, it was an ESPN report from Adam Rittenberg uh, says the Big Ten is required to send a letter in the event it becomes clear that an institution is likely to be subjected to disciplinary action. Uh, and the letter they sent alludes to the evidence that they've uncovered, that they already have, of sign stealing, illegal sign stealing, which compromises the principles of the Big Ten's sportsmanlike policy. Yeah. And according to Rittenberg, the Big Ten is more likely to, to suspend head coach Jim Harbaugh than enforce any team-related punishment. That makes sense, but I'm sure he's got a lawyer, too. And Michigan's got lawyers, and they're going to lawyer up. Yeah. Uh, so is this symbolic for Tony Petiti to back his other schools in his conference that are asking for action? It's not a bad idea. Knowing that he's going to fight it, and then it'll probably he'll run to a court and get an injunction that, you know, the suspension is kind of on hold until the appeal is heard or the case is heard, and then he can coach the team. We'll see. That's that's hanging there, but that game happens at 11 a.m. on Sunday. If they, if they do it before the NCAA announces their investigation is done, then there's an easy out for – Jim Harbaugh in Michigan because they'll just say, due process. You've got to wait till the NCAA finishes their investigation. Right. Uh, or the Big Ten, because the Big Ten didn't wait for the NCAA when they suspended Michigan State players for the fight in the in the tunnel. Uh, they no, said, I know, but if, if if somebody wanted to fight it, they could have fought and said due process. They, they, that would have been right. their that That's been their what reason. I'm thinking. I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying. The conference has purview over its conference members even more than the NCAA does. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a conference holding up a sportsmanship policy within its conference. So, yes, I mean, that becomes a, a fight down the road. I say, yeah, he'll argue that, okay, yeah, but the NCAA has jurisdiction over you. 
Yeah. They control you in their Ooh. investigation. Yeah, don't, you don't want that fight. I answer to, I, he'll say, I answer to them, not necessarily to you, which is strange because, remember, the NCAA wanted to suspend him for the recruiting issue. He said, no, 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 we'll go with, I'll go with the self-imposed suspension by Michigan, not the NCAA. So it's weird how he's going to s- decide here if he wants to uh, respect due process. He'll be acknowledging the power and jurisdiction of the NCAA when before he was, like, slapping it in the face and disrespecting Oh, yeah, them. this thing's got a lot of layers to it. But in the end, he'll probably be on the sidelines, Coach them against Penn State. Also yeah. this weekend, Utah's at Washington. That'll be a good game uh, coming up uh, 2.30 on Saturday in the Pac-12. Tennessee, Missouri's a pretty good football game this weekend. And of course, uh, Texas and TCU this weekend. And then there's Oregon hosting USC with now their new people in charge of their defense. Oregon could score 100 in that game if they're not careful. But uh, and, those are... Yeah, well, it won't be as bad as Alex Grinch. You can't be worse than Alex Grinch. Whoever's calling the place, you yeah. won't be as bad as that guy. Yeah, I mean, the gap yeah. integrity there is some, something, something you're going terrible. To, if you're Alex Grinch, you know where you go now? Nick Saban coaching car wash. Boom. Go ahead. Head on over there, Alex Analyst. Grinch. Go on over there. Become an analyst there. You're good. Trust me, back two or three years, people forget how terrible you were at being a defensive coordinator called to play the USC, and you'll be ready to get a head coaching job. So we're going to be like, man, this guy's really good. Look at what he did with the linebackers at, 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 at Alabama. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. It's all things Texas as the Longhorns sitting at number seven in the country. And they were all asking themselves the same questions. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's not waste any time. Let's hear from the head coach because uh, he spoke to the media yesterday. It's a Monday press conference. Spoke about a number of uh, topics. Uh, we'll hear from him speaking about the injuries and Quinn Ewers' injury and his status. But first, let's hear him talking about the next opponent for the Texas Longhorns, the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, obviously, we've got a we've got a tall task Saturday, uh, going on the road, night game, primetime game uh, against a good football team. That I don't think the record is indicative of of how good they are. They've had a couple tough losses that you know could have gone either way, uh, and then the record looks different. So uh, we got to make sure that we look at the totality of the body of work of, of TCU. Um, they've got really quality players. They've got a veteran defense. Um, they've got athletic quarterbacks. Uh, they got good schemes they're really good on special teams and so we know they'll be ready to play we know we'll get their best shot uh, we need to ensure that that they get our best shot as well all right that's Steve Sarkeesian talking about the TCU Horn Frogs uh, if Texas is going to give TCU uh, their best shot and they're going to take the best shot TCU who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Longhorns is probably uh, going to be one of the biggest determining factors it could be Malik it could even be Quinn Ewers we told you earlier he posted on social media very uh, cryptic message uh, hinting that he might be ready to go it was a uh, Merle Haggard lyric that he posted on social media essentially uh, saying uh, Send me, let me go Oh, set me free. Uh, so we'll see if that is the case. Here is Sark talking about the timeline and the status of Quinn Ewers. Yeah, so uh, Quinn, uh, like I said, he, he started to throw a little bit last week. Um, he threw again today. Um, to me, it's more day-to-day at this point, you know, where a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, it was kind of week-to-week. Uh, today's more day-to-day, um, and I got it. you know, I have to continue to see how he feels. You know, ultimately, this is a, how does he feel? You know, I, I can't, you know, the, he, the doctors, what does it feel like? Where is he at? Um I can give my assessment on the capability to operate our offense, but ultimately, how does he feel? And so we'll navigate this week. 
so let's start talking about the uh, the injuries uh, and obviously the most notable one to Quinn Ewers. So Quinn Ewers day to day now. Uh, my man Jerry Hamilton did say he was casually throwing a little bit last week, so we'll see what his status is. But he's not the only one dealing with injuries. You had injuries to Christian Jones in that game. You had injuries. Obviously, Jalen Catalan's been dealing with an injury too. Uh, multiple uh, starters out for that uh, K State game dealing with injuries. Here's Sark talking about the overall health of the team. Well, I'd say this. I think the thing that was probably the most encouraging thing for me today, everybody practiced. That was awesome. (laughs) We've gone about a month now or so where certain guys have been out, certain guys have been limited. Um, The beauty of today's practice, everybody was out there. Catalan was back out there. Crawford was out there. Um, Kelvin was out there. Christian Jones was out there. Uh, so that was real positive. Um, naturally, as the week goes on, we're going to have to monitor all these guys and, and figure out, you know, who can really contribute to the game and then how much and, and what is that going to look like. But for a Monday, for them all to be out there today w- was really, really encouraging for me. Uh, that is Sark talking about the uh, most encouraging news probably that Longhorn fans can hear is that everybody got a chance to practice. Doesn't mean they're going to play, but at least everybody's out there practicing, which means they're on schedule, on track uh, to be able to play for this stretch run for the Longhorns. Uh, Sark, you know, looking at the injuries now all over the team, but specifically at quarterback, he now has to uh, come up with a, a plan, right, uh, with quarterback because we don't know Quinn's status, but he's day-to-day. He's going to have to look at how Quinn is feeling, the pain tolerance, also look at the trajectory of one Malik Murphy, right, if he's improving, if he's developing a baseline consistency. And with all that being said, contingency plans for Sark would also eh, motivate him to get Archer ready to go just in case Quinn's not ready and then Malik does have a regression of some sort. Here's Sark talking about balancing the, uh, the QB reps in practice and in the games. Well, and in Arch too, right? And so it, there, there is. It's it's a balancing act, you know. And we try to be really mindful of a. It's one to look at how many reps. B. What are what plays are they repping, right? And so that um, they're getting quality opportunities to to develop their own skill set. And C. Who are they repping those plays with, right? And so there there is a there is a, a balancing act to all of that. Uh, myself, Coach Milwee, try to try to do our best to to manage that, um, and then monitor it in practice. You know, if we feel like a guy needs another rep of something, we put him back in to get a rep of something. So, um, but that that's you know, it's never easy, I guess. Um, but but we're like I said, we're fortunate that we have you know three really good players at that position that need to all continue to develop and get healthy and, and do those things to so that when they get in, they can play with uh, with the utmost confidence. All right, so a lot of Longhorn fans are having the Arch Manning conversation uh, for some reason or another, whether because of the regression of Malik or because of the injury to Quinn. Um, here's Sark talking about the progress of the right now third-string quarterback, Arch Manning. You know, for me with Arch, you know, I'm learning more and more and more about his skill set. And uh, one thing that I've been you know, really impressed with him is, you know, his conviction and, and ability to throw the ball down the field um, with, with a great deal of accuracy, um, which sometimes is hard to tell in high school. Um, 
especially when they're not the style of offense that, that we are. They have some, some aspects of it. Uh, but what I've learned over the last couple weeks, especially last week, is he can make a lot of throws down the field and do it in a way that, that, that guys uh, are very comfortable uh, making those plays down the field. So that, that's a real positive. And then I think the second part about his game that, that I'm really encouraged about is he is very athletic. Arch is extremely athletic. He's a strong, powerful guy. Uh, he's got good speed about him. So his his game gives a little different versatility and twist uh, to his style of play. I mean, he did hit 20 MPHs at one point uh, this offseason. So uh, I think we all agree that's got to be athletic. He's got to be athletic to be able to hit 20 miles per hour running. Uh, but, yeah, that's Sark talking about Arch Manning, that he's progressing, likes what he's seen. But he's not, I don't think, hinting that he is speeding up the t- development, developmental track of one Arch Manning. I think they still will like Arch on the track that he's going to redshirt, and he's not even in the – He's in the emergency quarterback role right now, potentially, if worst-case scenario happens, Quinn can't go, something happens to Malik, knock on wood. Um, but right now, it sounds like Sark's you know, going to go with Quinn um, if he's healthy, and if not, it's going to be Malik. Yep, there's your quarterback rundown. Longhorns getting ready for TCU. Quinn Ewers being cryptic, but uh, maybe good news for the Longhorns. We come back, we go off the record, stories you've missed or maybe have missed that you need to know because they'll be being talked about off the record coming next year on Hook'em Up. Off the record on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get. They bring the income. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, you know what sucks, Rod, is getting Twitter, dude. Uh, Taylor Swift was not in Germany. Oh, I got you. I got a, saw a picture oh. that, that said that uh, walking into the stadium in Frankfurt didn't true because here it is. Got him, coach. You know what uh, Taylor Swift did do? She hosted a, uh, a watch party at her New York City apartment with the uh, the wags. Damn right. The wives and girlfriends. Okay. Including Chiefs backup quarterback Shane Bouchelle's wife, Paige. So she's getting she close. She was in attendance. Uh, Blake Bell's partner, Lindsey, mm-hmm. and several others, uh, Wags of the Chiefs, were there to watch the uh, 7.30 in the morning. They were in pajamas and stuff. So the trend continues when Taylor Swift is in appearance. Travis Kelsey's numbers go up. The offense benefits when she's not. Travis Kelsey's numbers drop, and the offense suffers. So Taylor yes. Swift needs to show up in person for her She's man. Too far away. She had a wags party. You just suffer. You just support your man, Taylor Swift, in person. Okay? Speaking of uh, wives and girlfriends, you know Christian McCaffrey, Rod. Oh yeah, CMC. So they had their bye week, uh, but he's getting married to 19, uh, 2019 Miss Universe Olivia Culpo when the season is over. Good man. And uh, apparently during the bye week, he, he sent his uh, to be bride on a bachelorette party to Mexico. And did it upright. Private jet. uh, On the private jet. How about this, Rod? Uh, On the private jet down to Mexico. 
they had <laughs> uh, the flight was decked out with half-naked male wait staff. Oh, there you go. Good for him. Cardboard cutouts of her future hubby. Mm. Uh, they went to the popular resort in Mexico for a girls' weekend. His face was all over the place, and then surprise, surprise, Christian McCaffrey surprised Olivia Culpo with fireworks while they were sipping wine. There you go. Good well choreographed. It's nice. I like that. think he did that, or do you think his <clears throat> agent or someone else handled that for him? No, it doesn't matter. When you got that much bread, who cares? I mean, as as the, th- the, thought, the thought only counts when you, you know, when you got to put in the work yourself. <laughs> when you got a lot of bread, she doesn't care if, if you did it or you paid somebody to do it, you know, as long as it got done. She, of course, posted all of her exactly. excitement on her Instagram account. Mm-hmm. And, yes, uh, 2019 Miss Universe, Olivia Culpo for Christian McCaffrey. Well done. Good for him. Wait, yeah. so he was, was gin pop. He went to her bachelorette party. No, he did not. No, he, he did not. His face was everywhere. Pick uh, a little cardboard cutouts of him. Yes. She face. went with her sister Sophia and a group of friends. Face all over the place. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Uh, how about this? Chargers GM Tom Telesco reportedly, based on a report <clears throat> uh, for uh, for an ins- from an insider who covers the Chargers, he apologized to the team for signing cornerback J.C. Jackson. <laughs> Telesco signed Jackson to an $82.5 million contract in free agency last year, but Jackson struggled with poor play and injuries. Eventually, the Chargers traded him back to the Patriots, where he's actually playing well now, uh, for a late-round swap. Telesco called the signing a swing and a miss and apologized to the other DBs on the team, according to an ESPN story. Ouch. How about that? Apologize to the team because he must have been a locker room ass. Uh, that might have been it, too. Also, how about this one? Uh, Chase Young, remember he was traded to the 49ers? Uh-huh. He wasn't actually told by the commanders that they traded him. He found out from social media Ooh. after the trade, a report came out saying um, that he was an undisciplined player. Um, and apparently he found out about these reports and the trade on social media. I, I know that's true because I, I got traded. I mean, I got cut and I didn't find out until... A crawl. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, I, I, my agent hit me up after I'd already seen it, but that happens. I mean, it happens quick. Can they call fast. your agent? Maybe he doesn't get the message immediately. Yeah, he didn't, get the, he didn't get the message in time, and they released it, like, before, you know, they told him quickly. So, it happens. It happens. Hey, by the way, the uh, people who work at uh, Disney Parks would like fans who are waiting in line for rides and events to stop defecating right there in line. Excuse me? Say what? What? Hold up, this is a thing? I'll tell you the story on the other this side. Is for, this is a kids, right? Talking about kids. They're talking about like, infants. And a big write-up of a long-standing rumor at dinner parks. There are people so desperate to keep their spot in line at certain rides, they sometimes defecate right there on the ground. But then you can't get on the ride. <laughs> what? What is happening? What? Disney workers, <laughs> Disney theme park workers would really appreciate if you'd stop pooping in line. They Thank should you sell very much. diapers at the Disney Man, bu- Disney yeah. parks. Diapers. Boom. Problem Disney solved. Disney diapers. We Disney call them. Diapers. Right in the vending machine. Twelve dollars <laughs> for one. We're back. Hook them up.